When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Well, good morning. I presume you're still here. That was another nasty storm. And thankfully, we've seen the back of them, at least for now. A very stable, very dry day on the way. Good chance to clean up if you have time. On the agenda, imagine being 12 hours on a Ryanair flight. And this is only from Copenhagen to Dublin. It's not exactly a 12-hour distance. You'll hear from a man who was caught in the air during the storm. Also today, a Midlands business predicts the restaurant sector is going to be decimated. He's warning of mass closures and is going to itemise the reasons why. But surely something positive on the agenda as well. Well, Simon Casey is celebrating 20 years since you're a star. Can you believe it? 20 years already. And Andrew McGinley will be here. Andrew lost his children at the hands of their mum some years ago, but he's always trying to keep their memories alive in the most positive way, and he'll share how he's doing it after 11. When you call 0818 300 103 is my number. You can text, you can WhatsApp 083 30 10 103. Powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. So, let's see what's on the front pages today. Ian Bailey. No one to mourn him is the headline on the Irish Daily Star. He had a lonely, secret funeral, by all accounts. And on the front of the Irish Independent, RTE board to face calls to quit over toy show fiasco. The amount of money lost there was absolutely astronomical. I'm not sure I agree with having them step down. I think any business or organisation should try to innovate. It's not always going to work. Failure is something you learn from. So long as they went into it and did their homework and took an educated risk, that's the question. Did they just go in blind, I suppose? The other story on the front of the Irish Independent, again, Mr McGinley, Andrew McGinley, who we'll talk with later. Four years ago, he lost his children, Connor, Dara and Carla, and he's describing to the Independent how divorce can give him a fresh start. The Irish Times has seen a HSE report about the recruitment freeze, which is in place at the moment for budgetary reasons, the Department of Health has been running over budget for years at this stage, so they've been told to have a moratorium on any new recruits into the service. And a report for the HSE says it will be demoralising on staff, it will increase waiting times on patients and it will provide poor value for public money. Nevertheless, the policy continues. What's on the Irish Examiner this morning? All I ever wanted was for them to say sorry. A mother gives evidence in her action against the HSE over her daughter's death. And that's unfortunately an all-too-familiar theme where families maybe feel they've been deprived of the truth or they've been deprived of an apology. And it's all when the wagons circle to protect the system. If only somebody had approach them in a humane way early on, they may not have resorted to legal action. Final story from the front pages, Irish Daily Mail, Viradkar, Sinn Féin 
adding to trauma of refugees. The Taoiseach says the rival party is shifting its stance on Ukrainians and causing unnecessary anxiety. Well, there is no doubt that immigration is going to be a huge topic of debate coming into the local and European elections in June. And if there is a general election this year, and many believe there will be, it's going to be very relevant to that debate as well, because we're not going to uh, suddenly find hundreds of thousands of roofs over heads for people from overseas, for our Irish people who need them, for those who are being attracted to Ireland to work. And there are many recruitment companies now trying to find houses for people to lure them here. It's not an overnight click of the fingers solution. But if you go inside the Irish Times, they say new refugee centres, and there is a plan for the state to build a network of these centres, very large centres. The locations for these centres may not be identified, it says, before the June elections. In terms of numbers, Leo Varadkar has told the Doyle more than a 1,000 people have arrived since the start of this year seeking international protection and around 600 of that thousand have not been provided with accommodation. All right, what other stories stand out? Well, obviously, Storm Jocelyn has came and went and it was very blustery in some parts of the Midlands. 112 kilometres per hour, apparently, was the strongest gust recorded in Ireland and two storms in a row this week rather difficult to deal with. It's the 10th of the season, keeping in mind we only had two or three in all of the last season. So thousands of customers of ESB remain without power today, many of them here in the Midlands. And again, powercheck.ie is a very good website to keep an eye on progress and when they expect to restore power. But the Irish Times highlights how one lady, 91 years of age, was left without power for two days. And what complicated her situation, she's known as Peggy and she's from Mayo and unfortunately she has advanced dementia. And her daughter Patricia has told the paper that power went on Tuesday evening and uh, prior to that it had gone on Sunday evening and because of Peggy's medical needs she needs power for her hospital-grade bed, for her nebulizer, for a host of other things. And I suppose, unfortunately, it's one of those very difficult situations to prevent, isn't it? If you live in rural Ireland and obviously Peggy wants to remain at home and her daughter is there caring for her and all the supports are in place, other than having a generator at the back, how do you act against nature? Moving to the letters into the papers today. Let's see if you can relate to, to this one. It's from a friend of a person who is now getting the ick factor about their friend. It's hard to describe it in any other terms, they write. Sometimes I feel like I've been eating something rotten when I'm around her. We have been friends in school and we shared flats. We went travelling and we were even bridesmaids at each other's weddings. I don't know quite what happened, but in the last few months, I just can't stand being around her. And I find she's grating on my nerves. I can't believe some of her opinions, which I used to laugh at before. 
She comments on everything negatively, from appearance to food to politics to friendships. And I don't know how I never saw it before. She is generous, and she has often bailed me out financially, and I've always paid her back. So I'm not blind to her good points, but she puts me down all the time, and somehow I've taken it. Recently, we were on a night out with long-standing friends, and she spoke about my job in a very demeaning way. And then she commented on what everyone was eating, and how important it is to maintain your figure. She thinks everybody is responsible for their lack of success, and none of it is due to systems or societal blocks, and I have the totally opposite view. She won't give to charities, as she believes people are sponging off the state, but she will support her own friends in business endeavours. On a truthful note, she is much wealthier than me, and I like some of the places she invites me to. What do I do? Yeah. Well, sometimes people change. And they often change because of their circumstances. So, was she always wealthy? Maybe not. And if she's only recently come into money, and if she's a very material person at the centre of it, then maybe you just don't like her anymore. Nothing has changed other than circumstances. Yeah, that's life. Would you hang around a person like that? I think if you do, you're becoming a bit of a user yourself. Yeah, you'll take the bailout. You'll take the invite to the nice party. But you don't really like her. Donald Trump is celebrating after his victory in New Hampshire and He's very much on a steady road to the Republican nomination to contest the US presidential election, but he spent much of his uh, success uh, describing his opponent, Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley conceded victory in New Hampshire and talked about how it's not over as a race. And that seemed to get under Donald Trump's skin. And he very much wishes she would step out of the way. Anyway, you can read about it in the Various papers online today. They don't have it going to print, but they are on online. Um, one or two more stories very, very quickly. Elon Musk. You don't have to be a fan of Elon Musk to recognise that. He has been a genius in many engineering feats. And he seems to be somebody who is very um, passionate about free speech. To an extreme, perhaps. But nevertheless he would maintain the reason he bought Twitter, which is now known as X, was to ensure there would be a platform on the planet where you could say what you want free of anybody taking it down. And he has now pledged to fund a legal challenge by you, if you wish, against the forthcoming hate speech legislation here in Ireland. And he says it will be his default position to challenge any law that would infringe upon your ability to say what you want, when you want. And so through X, through Twitter, he is going to fund legal challenges on behalf of citizens, if you wish to take one. He gave an interview to the website Gripped, and he says people should be extremely concerned if you are at the mercy of the ruling party and whatever bureaucrats they put in place and they can just define something that really is not hate speech just because they don't like it. He also says the biggest lie in media 
is the choice of narrative, because they can simply ignore anything they don't like, and they can overly focus on things they do want to talk about. He even gets into farming. He says there is absolutely no need to tackle environmental policy in farming. Changing farming will have no effect on the environment. It's totally fine. Stop attacking the farmers. They can just keep doing what they're doing. There is only one thing that really matters with respect to the environment, and that is how many billion tonnes of CO2 we take out of the ground and put into the atmosphere. Elon Musk, you can read more on the website, gripped. The only thought on the farming issue is sometimes when there is an incentive, people always talk about follow the money and isn't there a lot of money being made out of green technologies. But that's sometimes the motivation for innovation. If you can make farming more productive and cleaner at the same time, that's a good outcome. And to incentivize that, sometimes there has to be money involved. Otherwise, the research will look at something else. Final one for you now. When you shuffle off your mortal coil, how would you fancy putting your ashes into a vinyl record? Because a crematorium in Southampton believes there will be demand for this service. Your remains will be pressed into a 7 or 12-inch record, whichever you prefer, and it can be spun on a turntable with maybe your favourite song, or they can put audio recordings from the dead person on it as well. And you can have this for a mere £1,700. There you go. Not sure that's going to take off, but nice to have options. Here with the news and views that you can use. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. Now, if you're a nervous flyer, hold on to something, because I want you to meet Cormac Kelly from Tullamore. Cormac, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Now, normally, when you fly from Copenhagen to Dublin, it's what, maybe an hour of a flight, would it be? It's Well, it's it's roughly a two-hour flight, but Danish time is uh, one hour ahead, so you, you get the hour back coming back. Fair enough. So, uh, and normally smooth and uneventful and... Yeah. That's when there isn't a storm called Isha in the neighbourhood. What happened to you? Um, I was due to come home. I, I work in, in Denmark. I work on a, on a rotational basis. So I work for three weeks and I come home for a week. So I was due home for my week off. Um, it was a Sunday morning. Um, I was due to fly at 10am Danish time. Um, everything was fine when I got onto the plane, departed uh, Denmark. Everything was fine for two hours. Um, things went downhill once we reached Dublin. Um Came into Dublin, it it began to get very turbulent. Tried to descend into Dublin Airport for the first time. Uh, had to go back up into the sky and go for a go around. I've I've never. Uh, how close to the before. ground were you when they decided to abort? Um, roughly maybe three or four thousand feet. You could see a lot of things from your windows. Um, we weren't too close to the to the runway, but we were we were fairly close. We were almost there. So the engines surge, you start feeling the altitude pick up again. Um, yeah. They go into that pattern then, I suppose, to head back out and uh, and make yeah. the approach afresh. And on the second occasion, what happens? On the second occasion, it was it was the exact same. The winds were just too strong. Um, the plane was kind of side to side, um, etc. It was just it was just it was a very bumpy descent. So 
the pilots had to abort the second attempted landing in Dublin and we were rerouted then to Manchester. Are you a nervous flyer? Not, uh, no, not not usually. This has never happened to me before. I'm not a no, no, uh, nervous flyer at all. Good, but not everybody is so lucky. What was the atmosphere on board? The atmosphere on board going towards Manchester wasn't too bad. I think more people were disappointed that they didn't get to land in Dublin rather than the two failed attempts. You mm. know, I, um, I think they were just like, oh God, Manchester. Um, you and, know, and how and, quickly and was the decision made? Like, did they turn immediately from Manchester or was there a holding pattern first? Uh, well, when we um, surged back into the sky after the second attempt, we were flying around for about 20 to 30 minutes before we were told we were going to Manchester mm. and then we had another 30 minutes to get there. So we were about an hour in the sky um, after our second attempt, a failed attempt to, uh, uh, to land in Dublin. Okay, and the plane eventually landed in Manchester, but was there a bit of rigmarole? Was there talk of maybe going to Belfast? Not uh, well, uh, no, no, not initially. We were we we were told that we were going straight to Manchester, not not Belfast initially. We went straight to Manchester as the second attempt. And then, when you got to Manchester, was there much turbulent weather there? Was it smooth enough? It was a small bit of turbulent descent, but but um, nowhere near as bad as Dublin. We landed um, fairly okay. You know, there was no problem landing in Manchester. So you land on the ground in Manchester. You don't yeah. go to the terminal, though. You stay on board. Yeah, we were forced to stay on the plane um, out, outside one of the gates, I believe, in the, in the airport for around five to six hours. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, how did you pass the time? <laughs> Looking back now, I actually can't even remember. Um, I, I was lucky I was with one of my friends from work, um, but I think everybody was just... In the same boat, everyone was just talking, wondering what's what's next, asking the air hostess every hour any updates. Captains were trying their best to get um, their side of the story and their information straight before telling us. It was just, I don't know, it was just all up in the air, to be honest. So eventually then, after six or seven hours, what are you told? So eventually, people, uh, there was a couple of passengers who were allowed disembark then. Ryanair made a decision to let people off the plane, and Manchester Airport allowed people to come in um, regarding the fact that they didn't have a boarding pass for Manchester, you know. Mm. Um, so about a third of the plane disembarked, but people who disembarked were told that if they had any luggage in the hold, uh, they wouldn't be able to collect it. It would be sent back to Dublin. So some people opted to come, uh, leave the plane and some people stayed on the plane. Um, I stayed on the plane. We were promised that we'd be returning to Dublin and that weather had subsided in Dublin so we'd be able to land. Yeah, and so, did that happen? So, because uh, unfortunately it became a bit of a scenic route. Yeah, so so we were told anyway that we would be able to go back to Dublin. Um, this was about five to six hours after we had landed in Manchester initially. Um, we departed around half five um, in from Manchester, I had told my family that I'd be in Dublin within the hour. Um, my phone had died in mid-flight because I was on my phone all day mm. communicating with my family. So we had departed Manchester, flew towards Dublin, and then we never even attempted to land in Dublin. We just got diverted straight away. Captain came on to the call and said that we were going to Belfast. Um, we had to fly then another 30 minutes then towards Belfast and then try to attempted landing there and that was 
one of the most turbulent, uh, shocking, scary, whatever you can call it, um, attempted landing as I've ever witnessed or been a part of. It was shocking. So even bumpier than those initial attempts in Dublin? Yeah, extremely more. It was the people were getting sick. There was babies crying. There were there was some people worried. Everybody was looking at each other like, oh my god. The plane was just side to side. Um, up like we got to about fifteen hundred feet uh, feet above the runway. My father told me he was watching it on the tracker, and uh, we had to abort. We couldn't we couldn't land. If the plane had tried to land on the runway, I'd say we probably would have crashed. Okay, and so this is your third attempt. Sorry, because you did make the the um, landing in Manchester. So the, you're now up to four attempted landings, one successful uh, in the day. Yeah. So where do you go to after Belfast? So that was that was our third attempt to actually land within the island of Ireland. Mm. We failed that one. Um, the captain had initially told us that we were going to go around for a second attempt in Belfast and the gasps out of everybody in the plane was incredible. Um, I think even some of the air hostesses were just like, no. <laughs> um, so I, what I believe was we circled around Belfast for about 20 to 30 minutes and um, then we initially head back towards Newcastle in England and we flew for about an hour, an hour maybe, and then we ended up being diverted back down to Liverpool and landed in Liverpool, thank God. And in Liverpool, did you disembark? No, we must have, so we left Manchester at half five. I believe I was on the plane for three and a half hours, so I think I landed in Liverpool at around nine o'clock. By the time we were allowed to leave the aircraft, it was half eleven at night. So all in all, you were how many hours on board? 12 plus, I'd say 12, maybe 13 hours on the on the plane. And still not home? Still not home. So I presume you at least were given a hotel for the night? No, we were promised uh, this, that and the other on the plane. Um, captains and, and air hostesses said that there's accommodation booked, etc. You'll be on a flight, um, courtesy of Ryanair. Like, um, and we got off the plane... And uh, the airport, John Lennon Airport in Liverpool was carnage. There was other directed, diverted planes there. There was other planes that were scheduled to land in Liverpool as it was. So it was full with people and there was nobody there to help us, nobody there to let us know what the story was. Uh, it, was an, it was about two hours after we actually got into the airport that I decided to pull the plug and I booked my own accommodation and I booked my own return flight instead. By the way, is your phone still dead at this stage? Um, but yeah, well, by the time I got into the airport, I was um, lucky enough to find a socket and charge it. But for the good of five hours, it was dead. Which adds to that feeling of helplessness, of course. But at least your family, with the benefit of trackers, they knew where you were. They weren't just standing in Dublin wondering what the heck was going on. Exactly. When did you eventually land in Ireland? Um, I got back to Ireland yesterday. I flew with Aer Lingus and I got back to Ireland at two o'clock yesterday. Thank God. Oh, it's a heck of a, a scenic route to take in the end. And you're out of pocket as well because of accommodation and the extra flight. That's mm. probably a conversation for a different day, but I assume you're going to try and get reimbursed from Ryanair. Yeah, I'm going to see what I can do anyway. Well, 
Cormac, I hope your return flight is much smoother and the weather forecast for the next couple of days at least is far more stable and settled than it has yeah. been. When are you due to go back to Denmark? I'm due to go back to Denmark on Monday, so I'm hoping everything will go as smooth as it should have been on Sunday. That is a flight you will remember for a long time. Thank you very much yeah. for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Cormac Kelly from Tullamore. The stuff of nightmares, really, isn't it? The name you trust with the news you need. Midlands Today. Midlands 103. One listener says, Mother of God, that flight must have been the longest in aviation history. I don't want to fly after hearing that story again. Well, as I said at the start, if you're a nervous flyer, you really have to hang on to something. I know if Mrs Faulkner had been beside me on that flight, I'd have a broken hand by now. That was during Storm Isha. And also during Storm Isha, a rather nasty surprise for the members of Clara Town Football Club. Bobby Bracken is the vice chairperson of the club. Morning, Bobby. Good morning, Will. How much damage was done where you are? Uh, we built an extension last year onto our clubhouse, uh, a kitchen and two uh, dressing rooms and a, and a bathroom. Uh, the roof was tore completely off it. Just tore it off into one piece, just threw it out at the back of the building. And uh, into smithereens on the ground, or is it... Some... It is, it is. Uh, some bits of it we can say, but the majority, of, it's a cladding roof, and it was just all twisted. It's just, you know, it's beyond repair. Just can't use it anymore. Wow. And yeah. how does that limit what you can do as far as well, training? It, 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 yeah, well, we had to knock off all the power, of course, uh, straight away, because everything was just opened in. So the rain was pouring in into light fittings and things like that and, and our kitchen. So we had to move everything out of there, couch, TV, anything we had in it into the main hall, which was okay, you know, just get everything out of there, save what we could. And it was pointless trying to put a cover over it or anything because uh, the wind was just too strong, you know, it was too mm. dangerous anyway, you couldn't get up there, you know. Mm. So we just saved all we could and we have to wait until the, the weather calmed down. I believe today is certainly going to be more settled and a little bit dry, but um, you've got, now got the dilemma of finding a permanent replacement for the roof. Will insurance cover it? Uh, no. No, it won't cover it, no. But uh, we have, we have um, there's six or seven lads, carpenters and, and lads like that, who have given up their time, who are actually heading up this morning now. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, they're heading up this morning and we've organised uh, new material for the roof so the boys are hopefully starting it there now this morning. Oh, that's now incredibly we, decent of them. We'll pay for it, the material, eventually, but it's <laughs> everybody's been very good. It's been amazing and the response has been huge. And uh, it sounds like you didn't have to go asking. They volunteered to do what they offered. Well, we, went, we went for prices and uh, we went for a price for the roof um, we were given a price and when they heard what it was for um, they took uh, a big amount off of it do you know and one man said my, my son plays football over there and he looked after very well so he said listen I'll do what I can for you and he did he took 500 euros off the price of it straight away well look it's at times like that you really appreciate humanity and we've great communities, especially here in the Midlands. And that that's a lovely oh, it's story. Been, it's been amazing, Will. Um, it's been amazing, the response. It's just, it's, it's unreal. I, I just couldn't have thought half it, like, you know, it's been great. 
Well, we're going to get and a forecast in a minute and, and, and yeah, hopefully no, you get a couple of days now to get everything in place before we return to any more gusty conditions. But uh, keep us up, updated and when the uh, clubhouse is open again, we can let everybody know. Well, indeed, uh, Will, and I'd just like to thank everybody for their, for their help and, their, and the phone calls we've got from other clubs and everything. It's, it's been amazing, you know, and... Um, People were on to us about setting up a GoFundMe page, but we didn't think, you know, it was... But anyway, a couple of people got together outside the club and they'd done that, you know. Mm. And that's that's been amazing. The amount of that is, is, uh, so far has been amazing. It was only started yesterday, well, you know. It all makes it a bit easier, especially when you're a, a voluntary organisation and anything like this is so disheartening. It's dispiriting, it's frustrating, Um and when people can make it a little bit easier on everybody, it's just nice to do. So, Bobby, thanks for your time. Not at all, Will. Thanks very much. And thanks again to everybody. Bobby Bracken, Vice Chairperson of Clara Football Club. Clara Town Football Club. Cahill Nolan is here from Ireland's Weather Channel, from Road in County <laughs> Offaly. Morning, Cahill. Very good morning, Will. Glad to know you're still here. You hung on. Uh, during not one but two storms in as many days. Is this it for now? This is it for now, certainly. That's the good news that we can deliver this morning. The storm systems over the course of last weekend, Storm Isha, of course, Storm Jocelyn, yesterday and last night, they've firmly passed on now. We will still remain with pretty mixed weather for the next while, but there's nothing untoward about that. There's no stormy conditions. There's no likelihood of named storms for at least the next probably week or so at least. So in its wake, today, I understand, mainly dry and settled. Uh, what sort of picture can we look forward to over the next few days? Well, you're right, mainly dry and settled today. As we go into tomorrow, it'll be a little bit more overcast tomorrow. We will see some outbreaks of rain. As we go into tomorrow night, there is a heavier band of rain that will pass through. That'll bring fresher winds for a time, but certainly nothing stormy, nothing that warrants a weather warning, I don't think. And then as we go into Friday, Friday is probably the best day of the week. So we're under the bridge of high pressure at that point. It'll be dry, bright, a little bit fresher, but plenty of crisp winter sunshine to enjoy. Into the weekend, a little bit of uncertainty. It's likely that we'll have a west-east split. So the west is likely to be more overcast with a risk of some outbreaks of rain. They may push into the Midlands at times, but in general for the Midlands, it's a drier picture over the weekend. Mm will still be overcast and be pretty mild as well. And then that mixed weather remains in place through next week. Temperatures seem to bounce around a bit. I'm looking at the Met Aaron app and it's forecasting uh, min- well about one degree uh, to minus one degrees overnight. I believe that's uh, Thursday night. So that it, that's is, quite yes. a bit colder than we would have had. Uh, I think we had temperatures of 15 at one point yesterday when there was so much energy in the atmosphere. Absolutely. And I suppose that changing of the temperature is very much down to the change in air masses that are very close to Ireland at all points during the course of the next seven to ten days. So with the jet stream essentially directly over us, it's the demarcation line, the boundary between much colder air to the north a much warmer air to the south. So depending on where we find ourselves on terms of that jet stream, whether we're on the north or the south, we will see variable temperatures. As you said, today, tomorrow, temperatures across the Midlands are likely to be slightly above average, coming in between about maybe 8 to 12 degrees Celsius. 
But then for Friday, we see temperatures only back down to around 6 to 8 degrees, so around about average or a little bit below average. So we can see that change in nature in terms of the temperature, and that's exemplified as well, as you said, by nighttime values, where we see clear skies. Certainly on Friday night, we will see temperatures dipping down, potentially low enough for a touch of grass frost in some parts before we see that milder air push back in then for Saturday and Sunday. Oh, very good. We'll keep an eye and always these storms at this time of year can whip up quite quickly and no doubt you'll be here to warn us. Thank you very much for taking our call. Thank you very much as always. And you can follow Cahill Nolan on Ireland's Weather Channel on Facebook. The 10 o'clock news is on the way. After which, a Westmeath restaurant owner says small businesses are being decimated by rising costs and he is predicting mass closures unless there is a policy change. What sort of policy change? And also, is he right? Um, Is it really that tough to be in business at the moment? Or is it, unfortunately, something peculiar to the restaurant sector? Are other forms of small businesses trading reasonably well? Let's have that conversation. After these. Love the Midlands. Love Midlands 103. Good morning. There's still on the agenda today. Awfully singer-songwriter Simon Casey celebrates more than 20 years since You're a Star. And he has released a song from that era all over again. A new state-of-the-art library and Art Centre for the Midlands has been given the green light. Peter Dunn gets active, or at least tries to, because he's got another calf injury. We're all doing this for charity. He's the one who talked us into it, and now he's the one who's feigning an injury, I think. It's not real. Or am I wrong? Brian Clunan shall be here in the next few minutes as well to talk DIY. When you text... 083 30 10 103 or indeed on WhatsApp powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. Business costs, particularly in the restaurant sector where David Quirk and his wife Denise Buckley have been running Wholesome Kitchen in Mullingar for the last five years and they now believe with the increase in the hospitality VAT rate with other pressures on small businesses, such as the increase in minimum wage, pension auto-enrolment, sick leave and other entitlements coming down the tracks, that a wave of mass closures is impending. Do you agree? If you're also somebody who is a small trader, if you're in business, if It's maybe just confined to hospitality. Do point that out as well if you're somebody who's finding actually trade is pretty decent. Let's have a holistic conversation. But David has appeared on Taking Care of Business with Ronan Berry to describe all of the different pressures that he is under, pressures he has communicated and uh, pressures that were raised in the dole by Fianna Fáil TD Robert Troy. sent a letter to the same uh, TDs and we did get some generic responses back but uh, Robert said he really would try and push it for us um, and he did raise the question in the doll. I think it's very important, especially at TD level for them to see a small business possibly a business that they know um, to see how those costs actually affect the business this year and I suppose that's why I broke down 
our figures, I know they should be fairly private, but it's very important for them to see um, because it's a huge amount. Like it equates to about €160,000 a year in additional operating costs as of this year. So it's a lot of costs coming in all at once. And of course, you know, over the last couple of years, um, ne- never mind COVID and the pandemic and the various, you know, efforts people and business had to make to kind of counteract that. You know, we've seen ever incre- increasing energy costs, raw materials, I'm sure, are your, you know, have, have probably gone up. They probably haven't come down to the scale that they went up before, if come down at all. And then in 2024, we're faced with huge amounts of new legislation that's going to give employees extra rights, you know, extra pay for minimum, you know, extra raises the minimum wage. All of which, you know, has, has been suggested by groups like IBEC has been brought in with little consultation or little focus on businesses. Would would you tend to agree with that kind of um, sentiment? Um, absolutely. I, I think if anybody sees the breakdown of costs of what it's going to cost our business, I think they would be shocked to see it. And it comes after record years of inflation. So there's only so much businesses can take. Um, I know it's natural for some businesses to close down or for it not to be economical for them. But the level of closures that we've seen, even in the last few months, especially in the last few weeks. Um, there's just so many cafes and restaurants all around the country closing down and I think everybody could name one or two within their county um, that have closed down the last few weeks so I don't think it's okay for the government to sit back and allow that to happen um, without looking at additional sports that are needed for businesses because if you look at SMEs um, SMEs account for about 70, 000, or 70% of all employment in Ireland and about 72% of that 70% are actually businesses between one and 50 employees. So businesses like ours account for a huge amount of employment in the country. Um, and that's why it's so important from an employment uh, perspective to look after small businesses. And as well as like, you know, your, your business is right there on one of the main streets in Mullingar. It's a social place for people. It's creating, you say, over 40 jobs in the locality. It's been well publicised, you know, the, the give back that that gives them within the local community. You know, these are businesses really that we need to survive. And, and your business is a quite a healthy business. So you're just kind of marking this card, I suppose, to really highlight for other people. Number one, it's okay to come out and actually show that you're deeply concerned about these rising costs. Yeah. So within that, like that €5,000 grant, I'm sure you'll welcome it, but it's with the numbers you've given, it's, it's, it's going to go, it's only going to make a very, very small dint for 2024. Yeah, like absolutely 5000 we're going to welcome it. It's a good support. But if you're looking at an additional... Additional operating costs of about 160,000 in one year, um, and that's that's attributed to the VAT rate, payroll, um, pension enrolment, the recent bank holiday. There's so many extra costs that the business has had to bear in the last year, and a huge amount coming within this year. Um, so it's too much all at once. That's what I would say. So 5,000 is very very small. The one thing that restaurants and cafes are looking for is for the VAT rate to come back down. Um, we have the third highest VAT rate uh, for restaurants in all of Europe. So it's definitely disproportionate to other European countries. Um, and we've a huge takeaway and eat out market um, much higher than other European countries as well. So it's something that if we let restaurants and cafes close, you're going to see social impacts. You're going to see a lack of employment. You're going to see tourism damage. And I think that's where we want to actively try and influence it with government. Um, I think we'll be okay as a business. We're very, very lucky. But I just think it's very unfortunate to see so many businesses closing down. And some of these businesses, they're not new businesses. They're not small businesses. They're, they're restaurants that are around for 30 years. So, And they're all coming out to say the same thing, that it's the worst they've seen in terms of margins and operating costs within the last two to three years alone. Are you still finding then that raw materials, the very 
cost of food. There's probably a big, un- big kind of a certain amount of uncertainty there too, whether you can actually get ingredients in the first place. But even things like packaging, because I know at Wholesome Kitchen, like you're very focused on having sustainable packaging too. And, and that comes an additional cost as well. And those costs, I'm sure, they're also not going to drop. No, absolutely. What we have seen is the growth of um, increases in prices and costs. It, it has slowed down. But I don't think any supplier has come back to us or even trying to influence suppliers. Suppliers aren't decreasing prices. They're just not increasing them at the same level as of inflation that they would have been used to over the last few years. The same with energy. We've seen a small decrease in it, but it's fairly minimal. Um, and that's massively inflated at the moment. So I think the government needs to get involved with energy companies there. They all have record profits at the moment. Um, and that's something that shouldn't be allowed, even domestically and commercially. Absolutely, yeah. I think that that would be one measure that would make a, a huge difference as well. When you look at those numbers, and again, as you said, you've been very open with with putting them out there in the in the public forum to really showcase this. At any point, do those numbers make you sit back and and question whether owning your own business is the way forward? Um, absolutely. Like you, you always have a stress of meeting payroll for forty employees every single week. You have a stress of every cost that's increasing. But I suppose you always have to adapt the business and you have to be positive. Like we set up the business because we love business. We love working with teams, working with customers. Um, and it's something that we're absolutely passionate about. But I suppose it's just a huge amount of stress to put on a few small owners um, that are responsible for so much employment within the country. Like if you let a large amount of those businesses fold, you're going to see huge mass unemployment within the country. And that's something that we don't want to see. And exactly. I mean, if you look even at, within the tech sector, particularly up around Dublin, if you look even at the sheer number of layoffs that they can make with kind of one one fell swoop, you know, you could have a couple of hundred people gone or a thousand people and very little is made of it. It's kind of accepted as being part of that. But if we lose businesses around the rural areas and our rural towns of, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 or even up as far as 40 or 50 like you do, it, it has a, a deeper yeah. impact as well. Um, do you do you get the sense, do you think that, that government will come back with more? Will there be maybe changes on the warehousing scheme that will help other businesses? Will they maybe look at, at additional grants or maybe even one-offs just to kind of get people over, over, this, over this crest? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that they're going to make changes. They're going to offer more support. Um, they have to look at bringing the VAT uh, rate back down for cafes and restaurants. My fear is that if people don't shout loud enough, and more restaurants fold, and especially if they're not as public, we're going to see too many people and too many businesses gone uh, too quickly. Um, They're going to have to do something because the employment that is there and the the tax that is coming from these businesses essentially create that surplus every single year. So if we let those fold, it's going to have a massive impact on the economy. And even increasing the minimum rate to such a high rate all of a sudden, that's going to drive on inflation massively. So every single business around whether it's shops, retail, restaurants, pubs, bars, they're all going to increase um, their prices. They have to, um, because there's only so much a business can absorb. And that was, uh, unfortunately, the narrative from a lot of businesses that we've heard from over recent weeks. David Quirk speaking on behalf of his company, Wholesome Kitchen in Mullingar. But there are many others who have similar complaints. So let's hear from Neil Richmond. He is Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment and he has special responsibility for employment affairs and retail. And he also was speaking on taking care of business with Ronan in light of several closures that took place here in the Midlands since the start of the year. 
We acknowledge that there's rising costs for business and they've been consistently rising and some of that is down to interest rates, some of that is down to energy prices even though they're now starting to come back down and some of it, the cost, and we acknowledge it, it's due to government legislation. Yes, we are increasing the minimum wage, yes, we are increasing the right uh, to access sick leave and they're really important things to do to safeguard our economy, to make an attractive place to work, allow businesses to grow, but it does come with a cost. So the first immediate thing that we did, Ronan, is in the next couple of weeks, um, 90% of businesses will be receiving up to €5,000 in a single payment um, in, in, as per the increased cost of business grants. That's a, a €250 million Euro investment from the government. That's a one-off thing, acknowledging that. But debt warehousing is providing a particular challenge uh, in the hospitality sector, those sectors that were closed for so long during the pandemic. Minister Grant is looking at it. We have to make sure that Yes, ultimately taxes do have to pay, be paid, debts do have to be paid, but we don't want this to have to be the cause of mass closure of businesses. So we, we, do, we are looking at doing it in a, in a phased way. Revenue are engaging with businesses to make sure that there's uh, flexible payment plans in place. But it's certainly something that is of concern. We're not blind to it, no, we're not ignorant of it, and we do recognise that costs are particularly acutely being felt in those high labour sectors you mentioned hospitality, but equally also the retail sector, the ones that don't perhaps have the, the high margin or lower workforce numbers like some of our larger multinationals. And that's Junior Minister Neil Richmond. 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. Uh, there are many small businesses saying it's not just the hospitality sector that is feeling the pinch at the moment. But on a positive note for David Quirk, the caller says, my family loves Wholesome Kitchen in Mullingar. It's reasonably priced, lovely food. We have many vouchers for it. So I'm hoping that it perseveres for various reasons. And regarding Clara Town Football Club, the roof blowing off during Storm Isha, a caller says, Will, that's what small communities are all about, coming together. And today, there are a group of five, six, seven lads going up on their own time to help fix and repair the roof, which is fantastic news. Just, you don't get it everywhere, and it's something that we have to appreciate here in the Midlands. You don't often see that community spirit in certainly larger areas, towns and cities. There is a handyman in front of me, by the way. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. I will not be climbing on a roof, I assure you. Really? I, I've, just to I'm say, perfectly willing to hold the ladder. Yeah, I, I, I struggle to climb stairs, never mind climbing a ladder. <laughs> that is the voice of Brian Clunan, who's on the way next with DIY. And now, with thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue at Lone. Building or renovating? They work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie So now it's time to drop into those folks in Studio One. While they slag off and insult each other, for us it's kind of fun. For tips on housework and DIY, it's the only place to be. As Big Bad Brian joins us now on Midlands 103. Cloonan, that is. Mr. Fix-It. Y'all come back now, you hear? Big, Yeehaw! Big Bad Brian. I like that, yeah. Big Bad Brian. Mm, I'll go with that. Right. We'll have to come up with something that rhymes with will. Something, yeah. Complimentary, of course. Naturally, of yes. course, yes. <laughs> Anyway, Mr. Clunan is here from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore until 11. So feel free to send me your question. By the way, just worth mentioning um, with the storms, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but there's so many places were out of power. 
Mm. It's worth mentioning a couple of things that we all have. I mean, you can buy fantastic, you know, lanterns that work off batteries and they're brilliant and you can buy little camping stoves and they're brilliant. But we all have in our houses things that we don't think of. So the barbecue is one. If you have a gas barbecue, you can cook. Mm. You can boil water on it if you want. You can just put a saucepan on it and turn it on. And you can obviously cook on it without a problem. Um, and the other thing we mentioned before, I know I mentioned it, but just in in the context of the recent storms and so many people out of power, um, battery-operated Christmas lights, remarkable when they're in a cluster, the light that they give. So, you know, if you find yourself without power and you say, I have no torch, I have no whatever... It is remarkable what they give. Sure, but the problem is, maybe two weeks ago, we painstakingly you put them in put the them attic. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I get that. And the second time around after the storm, you're yes. not going to painstakingly yeah. put them away. But well, then again. I'd say what you do is get the lantern, get the. And a lot of these lanterns just work on AA batteries. And don't leave the batteries in it. We, we have a torch on our phone, and what you do is. Put, leave the batteries beside it, but don't leave them in it. And uh, the ordinary jurors, the ordinary AA batteries or whatever the lantern takes, they generally tend to last for 7, 8, 20 hours, depending on the lantern. Mm. So, uh, but we should all keep a torch or something handy that will last longer than just the phone. But the phone is handy for going and finding the torch in the, in the dark. If you were listening last week, Brian mentioned methylated spirits as a great way to clean your glasses. Yes. And Vi wants to say it really works and they seem to stay clean for longer. So fantastic recommendation. Great. She's giving you a compliment. You yeah, should have seen fantastic. how nervous well, you are. Well, actually, I have to say, speaking of compliments, I, we, in the storm, we, one of our neighbours, unfortunately for them, lost a tree which came down across the road and some of, when... They, when it was being cut, a lot of the branches came into our house. Mm. And uh, I just want to pay tribute to the council. I know we all slag, as I would myself, the, the, the council lads, when you see them standing there with a shovel or whatever. But I just, I saw them working. I was off on Monday afternoon and they were going like ants taking down this tree. And then they came in to remove all the debris that they inadvertently had cut and knocked into our house because the the height of the tree and they were in and out and gone in due time. They never stood still for a minute. So not often I pay compliments to council lads, but I will give them a... Uh, no, plus they knew you'd be bitching and moaning. <laughs> no, did <laughs> Will and Brian, please help with a crying face emoji. Starlings have started to build nests in my roof. And already? it sounds like a stampede up there. I already have the caterpillar thingy. Presume that's the hairy molly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what else could I consider? It's so noisy. It's the the cater the 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 hairy molly, which is the the long, long, long brush that goes into the gutter, is only really designed to keep the gutters clean. Now, sometimes if your gutter is very close to your roof tile, it it can be shoved up so high mm. that the birds won't go past it. But really, the only thing to do is the anti-bird combs, and the anti-bird combs you'll get them from people who sell roof tiles or people who supply and fit gutters. They also supply and fit the... So the PVC people that do gutters will have the anti-bird combs. And they go on the top of the fascia and they fold back in. And they're called a comb because they have long fingers, a bit like a comb, but they still allow ventilation. So the important thing is that the birds can't get in, 
but your attic is still ventilated because if you were to seal off everything completely, well then what would happen is you'd get dry rot in your attic. So they work really well. I, I had a problem many years ago with starlings and we tried everything under the sun and the anti-bird combs were the only thing that really truly worked. Uh, next is a caller asking if weed killer can be used to good effect in winter. This is from Matt in Port Arlington. No. So any of the, the truly systemic ones, so any of the weed killers that burn off the surface um, can be used. So you could use, for argument's sake, there's an industrial strength vinegar that works, but really it just burns off the surface. So with deep-rooted weeds, it doesn't really kill it. It just knocks off, kills off the surface. So, you know, if you're having the mother-in-law in to visit your house and you want the weeds all gone in a few days, well, then the industrial strength vinegar is, is great for that. But it's not systemic. It doesn't go in through the leaves of the plant. So really, for most weed killers, you need active growth. Now, there is a little bit of growth starting, but you need a week of active growth. And if you spray in the right conditions then it goes into the plant, down to the roots, and wipes out the plant completely. And it's a little early for that yet. Really, the rule of thumb is March. They, the rule of thumb used to always be, people used to say St. Patrick's Day. Now, it's not that it's the 17th. Of, you don't have to start on the 17th, but it's an indication that really it's March before the growth starts in earnest. And the day you spray it is important. You need to spray it on a day when there's, when there's growth because all these weed killers that enter through the leaves you have to have an active growing day. If you go out on a very cold day, it won't go, it, the plant isn't absorbing what you're spraying on and it won't, ha- it won't be as effective. Caller frustrated as water is gone in Mount Melick for the second time in a fortnight without notification. We checked with Irish Water. They say a power outage may cause supply disruptions in the Acragar Davit Road area of Mount Melick and the work is uh, scheduled to take place until 2 o'clock this afternoon, after which they say you should allow two to three hours for your supply to fully return. I believe as well there's a disruption in the Rose Analysis area, and that is because of work scheduled to take place at 6 or, or from uh, 6 p.m. on the 31st of January until 10am on the 1st of February. So they are giving some notice for the Rosanalis disruption. The matter in Mount Melick seems to have been uh, power-related. Yeah, yeah. power-related rather than necessarily a They should give us two weeks' notice of the storm. <laughs> really, they should, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now, um, I just caught the end of that reference to methylated spirits. Can you repeat? Yeah, so... Brian had a question last week about keeping glasses clean and cleaning them as no, well without smears. No, what actually happened was that a customer just mentioned in the shop that it is brilliant. Remember, at the time, it was the freezing cold weather and people were struggling with the tank in the, the windscreen washer tank freezing. Mm. And uh, there was a customer in who was saying they had just driven from moat and... Uh, they couldn't see anything by the end. They had to get out and stop and pour water over it, um, over the windscreen. Um, so we had a customer in who said he always puts methylated spirits in his window washer. And being alcohol, it doesn't freeze and it mixes with water. It's not like oil, it does mix with water. So it leaves your windscreen very clean. And I was saying if I want to clean my windscreen inside or out, uh, I would always use methylated spirits. And then I said I also use it for cleaning my glasses. And I commented on the fact that I can never understand how the glasses get dirty 
so quickly. But then I work in a dusty environment. Um, but uh, I clean them every day with, yeah. And that yeah. tells us that he listens back to himself on this show <laughs> constantly. How do you remember that? I, I don't know because you know my memory is terrible. Granny also says Mets can be a great stain remover for furniture and a powerful antiseptic. Ooh, it's an alcohol. Yeah. Ooh, who'd have thought of it? I'll take your word on that. Yeah. Granny, we won't have a demonstration if it's okay. I got, um, I got cryotherapy yesterday, so I had freezing spray on various places of me. I'm just thinking of uh, 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 when you thought of putting the methylated spirits on it, Ugh. I just shivered a little bit. Yeah. And did it shrivel? It <laughs> 25 to 11. It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy Solicitors at Loan, one of the largest, longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands. Mullingar Order of Malta are hosting a volunteer recruitment evening tomorrow. Excuse me, that's not tomorrow, it's today. 8.30 in Column Barracks. And to become a volunteer, you don't need any previous first aid experience as full training will be provided. Phone Colin on 087 943 0954 or see Order of Malta Mullingar on Facebook. Dunkerran Church of Ireland Tractor Run takes place Sunday the 28th of January. Registration from 12 noon in Dunkerran Arms Car Park and there will be refreshments and raffle afterwards in Dunkerran Community Centre. A donation from funds raised will be given to Dunkerran National School Autism Unit. Sweets, the South West Meath Employment Service is hosting a free nine-week women's development programme running three hours a week from this Thursday, tomorrow, until Thursday the 21st of March. And the course is free for any woman over 35 living in Westmeath who's interested in the topics of personal development, goal setting, digital skills and interview techniques. Contact Sweets for more information 057 93 32030. Shooting Stars are holding a club table quiz in aid of Special Olympics tomorrow evening half past eight in the Anbrook Hotel in Mullingar with loads of prizes available and a table of four is just €40. And creative writing workshops for children kick off Sunday the 4th of February, 2 to 4, for six weeks. And if your child is aged 8 to 12 years, you can sign them up for €90 at 4 Bastion Street, Athlone. Call Neve on 086 362 3971 or check out on Facebook Creative Writing for Children Athlone. To check those details again, go to midlands103.com and if I miss something in your area, call 0818 300 103. Community Diary, with thanks to Tormy Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Tormies.ie DIY Dilemmas, sorted with Mr Fixit. Thanks to Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue Athlone. Building or renovating, we work with you to create a bespoke lighting plan for your home. Brightideas.ie Joe is on the hunt for Bluestone. He has priced it in a few places and is coming in at €120 for a 25 kilo bag. Purpose is to treat moss on his driveway. So he's wondering if that's... He certainly doesn't need a 25 kilo bag. (laughs) No. He'll buy one kilo packs of it for, you know, 10, 12, 
15 max euro and it mixes at a dilution, a very high dilution rate. So you can use it dry or you can use it wet. So you can dilute it in water and spray it on if the conditions are good or you can sprinkle it on very lightly dry if it's wet conditions. Uh, it's all, we've had people who've used it on concrete and it has stained it but it doesn't seem to stain the tarmac at all. Go figure. But it's, 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 look, it's not the most effective way of killing moss, but it does work. And it's very good to if, if the weather conditions are not right, as in if it's not dry, mm. the fact that you can sprinkle it on as a fine powder. Uh, but it goes a long, long way. So you, don't, you definitely don't need a 25 kilo bag. What By the alternatives way, could he consider? You say it's not the most effective. No, right? no. It's very, it's a, you see, tarmac is to be careful because things can stain tarmac. So personally, I'd always wait. Some of the moss killers work really well if the conditions are right. And that's the cheapest way of doing it. But the, the the bluestone is great. You can mix it. I think it's um, ooh, I think it's fifty grams in five liters, and then spray it on. But the the moss, anything, anytime you apply a liquid to kill moss, the moss has to be so it'll never be dry, but it has to be sufficiently dry to be absorbent. So because if it's saturated, such as at the moment, exactly, it's so just going like to run today's off. Today's a dry day. But it, the moss will be drenched from yesterday yes. and it won't absorb it. So today would be the day if there's rain on the way, you'd sprinkle on a light. There's a thing called a flower dredger, but you can make your own. You can basically get a jam jar and punch little holes in it and fill the jam jar and sprinkle it on and that will do. By the way, we'll say uh, hello and good morning and whatever and well done to all the students listening to you in Stony Batter at the moment. In Stony Batter? In Stony Batter. So Joy Clunan and her friends are just finished exams and I think most of them are finished and I think they went fine. <laughs> they went fine. Uh, so, um, I know, they went well, I think, for them and uh, they're all listening to you. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Have we any scandal about Joy? <sighs> oh, no, not, not at the moment. Fair enough. Caller says we finally paid off the mortgage. Hip, hip, oh, hooray. wow, Fantastic. And seemingly the bank and indeed the solicitors don't want to keep the deeds anymore. What's the best way to keep them safe in the house in the event of a fire? That's a great problem to have though, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that the solicitor's not hanging on to them. No, they won't anymore, I gather. This, I've been told this again and again. So they, neither the bank nor the solicitor want to keep the deeds. It's, I suppose it's a responsibility and maybe somebody has you know, sued them for losing their deeds in the past or whatever, I don't know. But seemingly they don't want the responsibility anymore. And yeah, the call is quite right. So what do you do? I mean, you get, there's various options. The cheapest option is to get a, a fireproof pouch. So you buy this fireproof pouch that your deeds go into. And I would always say then, uh, put in the fireproof, fireproof pouch and put it somewhere uh, obviously with the least amount of flammability. Don't put it right beside where you store your tins of paint or your... your, um, your uh, Was that Joy replying? Yes, it was, actually. <laughs> she just put, ha, ha, and it's on my watch. I have my phone on silent. I didn't realise the watch would beep. Sorry about that. Um, so the next option is you can buy a little fireproof briefcase, which is both... And this is important for all these fireproof stuff. It's fireproof. What happens if you have a fire in the house, Will? It burns down. <laughs> well, sorry. If you're lucky and you have a fire in the house, what happens next, you dirty Egypt? 
<laughs> you get the, the fire, fire brigade come. Yeah, the fire yeah, brigade yeah. come. And what do they do? They spray the house with water. So it's very important that your documents or your valuables are not your dirty Egypt. <laughs> He's sniggering away here. Um, that the it's not just fireproof, it's waterproof. Mm. So you can get a briefcase and uh, it's also fireproof and waterproof. And last of all, you can get a fireproof safe. So the difference between a, a fireproof safe and the briefcase is the briefcase is mobile. So like it could be stolen, uh, whereas the safe is both fireproof and secure. So you put your valuables in knowing that A, in the event of a fire, nothing will burn and B, they can't break into it. So they're the three kind of options uh, that you can go for. Would safes not be fireproof as standard? No. Really? Yeah, so if you go to an ordinary safe, say an ordinary household safe, say you you booked into, as you are always booking into very expensive hotels and they all come with a, a, a little safe inside. When you open the door, the inside of the safe is almost the same size as the outside of the safe. When you open the door of a fireproof safe, the inside is very small comparative to the outside because it has a thick wall of insulation the whole way around. So it reduces the inside of the safe quite dramatically. So the idea is not to transfer the heat from the outside to the inside. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Hilda asks, where can I get glue for a rope seal on a solid fuel stove? Yeah, so any, nearly every powder shop builders, providers, plumbing shops probably, I'm sure, do it as well. So it's just, gets what it's called. It's called uh, rope, stove rope adhesive, or stove rope glue. And it comes in a little tube, like a little tube of Tipex. And when you buy it, normally it's a clear bottle, but if it's not, you need to know that it really settles. It really, really settles. So you need to shake it really well. And in fact, what's more, I'd always say, get a screwdriver and put it in and stir it all around and then shake it really well again. And, uh, Every time you use, well, nine times out of ten, certainly on the doors, anytime you use stove rope, unless it's around the top where kind of gravity keeps it in place, you need to use uh, stove rope glue, stove rope adhesive to stick it in place. Brian Clunan is with us until 11. If you wish to text him, please don't because he has his phone on loud. Mr Fix-It on Midlands 183 with Bright Ideas Lighting Talbot Avenue Athlone. Official stockists of Laura Ashley Lighting and Mirrors. See our dedicated Laura Ashley Boutique in store. Brightideas.ie After 11, Andrew McGinley will be here. Andrew lost his three children at the hands of their mum four years ago. But he's very much looking forward and he wants to keep their memories alive in a very positive way. And he's going to share some of that positivity with you in around 15 minutes. Brian Clunan is still here from Clunan's Hardware in Tullamore. And lots of questions to get through. Uh, the next one concerns... Where's it gone me? Yes, I have a salt lamp, which I find very beneficial to my health. However, the bulb has stopped working. And even though I replaced the bulb, um, the new bulb is lighting, but the salt lamp doesn't seem to be releasing salt. Has Brian any suggestions? I think we need an explainer on how they work, maybe. Yeah, so the way this... I, I bet you I know the problem here. They've either replaced the bulb with a lower wattage bulb or 
You know the way we were always waxing lyrical about the the, the advantages of using LED bulbs, mm. and you should we should all have every bulb in the house should be an LED bulb because it'll save you so much money. And obviously, a salt lamp lamp is left on quite a lot, so if you switch to an LED bulb, it will save you money. But the problem is, there's no heat from an LED bulb, and it's the heat you need from the traditional oh, bulb right, yes, that yes. creates. The, the, the mean, that makes the salt lamp work. So uh, most salt lamps use um, uh, 25 watt bulbs, traditional 25 watt bulb. So if you have replaced the bulb with a similar looking uh, either 15 watt bulb or even sometimes a 7 watt bulb, that can all these can look quite similar. Or if you've used an LED bulb, it's not going to work. person suggests an oven bulb. For a saw. Yeah, so oh, the okay. oven bulb is a 25 watt bulb usually and will fit in perfectly and is well able for the heat as well. So the oven bulb, that listener is absolutely spot on. The, the oven bulb is the perfect bulb to, to uh, use. By the way, I have a question just came in. What's the best way to clean lichen, moss, and algae for a north facing roof for somebody who is totally, utterly, completely non DIY savvy, aka my husband Will? <coughs> I think get the man in to do it, Alex, is the best thing to do because it's never going to happen under his watch. Just get in the man. I think when you've natural slate, you should have a natural appearance. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Can you repeat the name of the powder Brian mentioned to get rid of the moss on the tarmac? This is the blue stone. This is blue stone or Mm. copper sulfate. And uh, it's used, it's two things it's sold for in, in the hardware shop end of things. And that would be one to uh, loosen the tar and loosen the soot in your chimney. So you put a spoonful of that in when the chimney, when the fire is good and hot and it loosens, it dries out that tarry, sooty deposit and it also loosens any tar that's there. And uh, a lot of people find once they use it on a regular basis, they don't get the tar back. And the other thing you can do is you can dilute it in water to uh, spray on your moss or you can sprinkle it on lightly, now very lightly, on the moss, on the tarmac, and it will all go brown very quickly. So you put it on in dry weather and then, well, it doesn't matter what weather you put it on really, but ideally you put it on in dry weather and then once the rain comes, it'll wash it down into it and, and it'll wipe it out. Tommy... I'm not sure he's entirely sober. (laughs) It could be helpful to listen to this slot, Slightly Tipsy. He says, I took all the radiators out in 1995 and heat my entire house on a 25-watt bulb. (laughs) Yeah, he could have a problem. I think so. Maybe the cold is getting to him. He's not drunk, he's hypothermic. He's delirious, yes. He's delirious from hypothermia. (laughs) Good luck, Tommy. (laughs) Well, over the radiator in the hallway there seems to be a lot of black marks and they don't wash off. Somebody said to me, and you know what yeah, happens some, when yeah, somebody, somebody says, said, yeah, yeah. Mm, that it may... <laughs> I heard. The other way is I heard. Or yeah. they say... They say, yes. It may be a sign of carbon monoxide in the air. Yeah, so black deposits around an appliance that actually burns the fuel can be an indication that you have a carbon monoxide problem. And look, we're, we've been, again, going on because of recent events. We should all have a carbon monoxide alarm in any room that we live in 
that we spend time in that has a, a fuel burning appliance. And it doesn't matter whether the fuel is wood pellets, solid fuel of any sort, oil, gas. They all burn fuel. They all produce carbon monoxide and you're trying to get it outside rather than building up in the room. So uh, that should always be the case. But in this particular case, and it is an ongoing regular occurrence, we get people asking this question. In this particular case, your appliance, which is the radiator, does not burn fuel. So in this case, it's where the the dust, the, when you have heat, it, it the heat is rising and dust rises with it. And the heat also deionizes the dust a little bit and it deposits on the wall. And it's very, it's almost impossible to wash it off. Now, what can help to stop it happening in the future is to put a little shelf over the radiator and the heat will still come out. So you often see, you can actually buy little radiator shelves that go directly over the radiator and that funnels the heat out into the room, which is no harm, uh, but it also stops this dust from depositing. Um, And it's almost impossible. A strong detergent will wash some of it off, but honestly, just give it a good washing and you'll need to, probably need to use one coat of a water-based primer before you paint the wall again because it has a tendency to bleed through the paint. Um, But long-term, the shelf will stop the the dust from depositing. Midlands Today's Mr Fix-It in association with Bright Ideas Lighting, Talbot Avenue Athlone, your destination for LED bulbs, bespoke lighting for vaulted ceilings and kitchen lighting. Six minutes past 11 on Midlands 103. Still to come today, Simon Casey. On 20 years since RTE's You're a Star, the show that really catapulted him onto the national stage. Also, a state-of-the-art library and art centre for the Midlands has been given the green light. More details on what to expect. And Peter Dunn, the man who challenged us all to get active, has another injury, as it turns out. More details in 15 minutes. The anniversary of Connor and Dara and Carla, the children of Andrew McGinley, is upon us. And for the last four years, Andrew has dedicated himself to reform, to trying to ensure that the deaths that befell his young children would never happen to another family if he could change the involvement, ensure that there was more Uh, um, co-parenting involvement that if he had been put on guard instead of off guard all those years ago how things may have been different and Andrew has taken time out to remember in the most positive way Connor and Dara and Carla because he has set up three great charities in their memory and that's front and foremost in our thoughts today Andrew good morning Good morning, Will. How are you? And we'll talk a little, obviously, about how we can all support those charities. But well, first of all, how are you doing um, today and at this time of year in general? Uh, well, for me, I know this uh, date resonates with uh, a lot of people, uh, are, you know, who, and they think of uh, Connor, Darren, Carla today. Uh, for me, it's, it's every day. Um, but the legacy projects that I do in memory of uh, Connor, Darren, Carla, Help me, help me through, and give me a very positive outlook on life. Uh, I intend to celebrate their lives uh, for the rest of my life. That doesn't mean, unfortunately, life's process is going to be any less clinical. Things such as uh, the coroner's court 
all of those legal mechanisms tend to be impersonal, uh, tend to bring up a lot of what happened in the past. But ultimately, I suppose, you engage with that in the hope that you can make things better for others. So where are we as far as the coroner's court is concerned? So the inquest is due, it has opened. Um, My understanding is that they're seeking submissions from any interested parties uh, to make submissions to the inquest. For me, I'm looking for the inquest to look at an extended period of care. The inquest is about Connor Darren Carla's death and about the circumstances surrounding those deaths. So for me, I think lessons can be learned uh, from the extended treatment of Deirdre Morley uh, that led to the uh, death of Connor Darren Carla. And I would hope that lessons can be learned that would at least reduce, if not remove, the risk to other children and uh, increase the chances of uh, children surviving. Um, So that's what I'm hoping that will come out of the inquest. I am quite concerned that there are submissions, one that I know of, to restrict the coroner's court or to restrict the inquest. And I'm I'm, I'm concerned about that because I can't see the motives behind or what benefits there are to restricting uh, the uh, scope of the inquest. If we talk in general terms, though, you are hoping the outcome eventually will be that families are consulted in more meaningful ways. You write that decisions were taken about Connor, Dara, Carla, and indeed yourself. These decisions were taken by others that were not their decisions to make, that you were put at ease when you should have been put on alert. So that could happen again. Would you mind fleshing that out a little bit for us? Sure, yeah. I mean, I've tried to gain some political uh, support for for change. My local TDs, Emer Higgins and Mark Ward, have been very good and very supportive. Uh, The response I received from Mary Butler, the Minister for Mental Health, talked a lot about patient confidentiality and about the capacity of a parent or of a patient to, to make their own decisions. For me, that's patient confidentiality. When it starts, in, starts infringing and impacting on the lives of others, like in our case, impacting me and impacting the children, then I do not believe that clinicians can hide behind patient confidentiality. Uh, the recent HSE review that came out uh, into the treatment and care of Deirdre Morley revealed that there had been some element of family engagement that I wasn't aware of. So now, after four years of campaigning for family engagement, because I wasn't told, I now campaign for the right of a co-parent to be fully informed, fully advised, and fully supported. And this is something that Una Butler, who suffered a similar tragedy when her daughters, Zoe and Ella, uh, died back in 2010, has campaigned for. So if no lessons have been learned from Una Butler and her campaigning, and I don't feel that anybody has listened today to what I've been trying to say, my fear is that lessons won't be learned and that there will still be a risk to the children of patients who are in care for their mental health. Mm. It's all about a balance of rights. And obviously patient confidentiality is intended to protect information getting into the wrong hands, people who have no business knowing it. But if it's an absolute right, then it prevents people 
who need to know from knowing. And that would appear to be what happened in your situation. I fully support patient confidentiality. I wouldn't want my own records revealed. But I believe that when treatments or decisions are being made that have a an impact on somebody else, and as I say in our case, and you can see the impact that it had, that we should have been informed, advised and supported. So reform is one of your uh, aims and drivers, but another part is to keep uh, Connor and Dara and Carla very much in people's thoughts in a positive way. And that brings us to the various charities you've set up in their names. Bring us up to date. So there, there's three legacy projects. And when, uh, when I think about the, the legacy projects, what, the first one is Connor's Clips, which is a, a YouTube channel. And Connor's Clips came into my head when I was standing outside the house four years ago. Um, and I was standing there bewildered. The house had become a crime scene. I couldn't go back into the house. And I was standing outside and people were talking to me and I suppose I was in shock and I was traumatized. But all that was coming into my head was I never got round to helping Connor set up his YouTube channel. So people can follow Connor's clips on, uh, on YouTube and I support that on social media. And after Connor's clips, I, I began to think about what else. And I had promised Carla I would build her a snowman. And unfortunately, we never got the snow before she died to build that snowman. So with the Irish Independent, I do the Snowman for Carla colouring competition every year. And to date, over 4,000 children have entered that uh, competition. And finally is is the charity, which is As Dara Did. And it promotes um, participation and inclusion and integration in community clubs and groups. So it encourages people to get involved in their community as Dara did, because Dara was involved locally here with Commercial Turland, St. Mary's GAA, Rathcool uh, Football Club. Uh, he had tried out for the athletics. He had joined Connor in the drama club. So he was really a kid that got involved. And that's the message behind as Dara did, to get involved in your local community. Uh, we have a fundraiser coming up that we've called Walk in the Walk with As Dara Did. Uh, the name, everything, a lot of what I do now is uh, has connections to the kids. So the, the title of it came from, uh, I play football on Saturday mornings with a group of friends. We've been playing for about 20 odd years together. Mm. Uh, so I'd come home on Saturday after football and I would regale Connor and Dara with my uh, overhead kicks and my messy like ability yeah, on the pitch. Uh, embellished and, uh, <laughs> slightly, I assume. <laughs> Very, very slightly. But um, Connor, one of the Saturdays I came home and Connor had said to me, come on, we'll go out and play football in the garden. And um, Dara said, yeah, we'll see, can you walk the walk? <laughs> and that struck me because I didn't know where he got it from. So we're walking the walk with us, Dara did, uh, from the t- on the 20th and the 21st of April uh, this year, starting in Mullingar and going to Manus. And the reason we look at that route is uh, it has a lot of meaning to me. Uh, it runs alongside the N4, which was the route that we took up to, to go and see Granny and Grandad up in Donegal. So it's a, it's a route that we, uh, we travelled on a frequent, uh, frequently. Um, my sister uh, lives in Mullingar, so, uh, and she was a, a keen photographer. So there's a lot of photographs of uh, Connor, Darren, Carla in and around Mullingar. And uh, one of my favourite songs that I used to sing to the kids was the old Triangle. And I've uh, some video footage of uh, 
uh, the kids singing about the the old triangle mm. and along the Royal Canal. So uh, we're looking for people to, if they want to, if they're interested in joining us, um, to register on the website. All the information is on www.esdaradid.ie, and that's Dara with D-A-R-R-A-G-H. So they can, there's a brochure there, so they can have a look and see exactly what we're going to do. It's 60 kilometres over two days, uh, but it's been supported by Sodexo Ireland with regards to food. And a massive thank you to um, Garda Daniel Eccles, who's based in Pierce Street in Dublin, who has helped me organise. And, uh, yeah, we're hoping that to use it as a fundraiser so people can, if they would like to support us financially, because charities, unfortunately, do not work unless they're funded. We are looking for donations, and uh, we have an iDonate page if people would like to find, as Dara did, on iDonate. Uh, but we're, I'm looking forward to it because nature has helped me. After the kids died, I, I took up uh, hiking and kayaking, and it, 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 it helped me a lot to be out in nature. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, and I'd love it if uh, people got involved. Well, I know it's a beautiful stretch of the Royal Canal. April, hopefully very different weather to what we're having at the moment. So um, may you get a large crowd and more importantly, raise a lot of money for a great cause. Andrew, I always enjoy talking with you. I hope the next time that you've made some progress on those reforms and keep knocking on that door, keep banging that drum, and sooner or later, um, politically, I think people will take notice. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you. Andrew McGinley. Midlands Today, with the stories beyond the headlines. Midlands 103. We're into week six of marathon training on Get Active with Midlands 103 and HearMed. Traditionally, this is the week when most runners quit. And considering Peter has a calf injury, I've managed to do in the hip. Are the lads going as strongly as ever before? Well, let's find out if Peter has an update that's positive. There's only one way I can start this week's Get Active with Midlands 103 and it's by saying thank you so much to everyone who got in touch with me over the last week after Charter Medical in Mullingar discovered my heart murmur. So I'm absolutely overwhelmed by all the messages of support and your own stories of overcoming heart conditions to keep on running. You've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And I've been to see my GP since. And I was kind of hoping in a bit of a way she wouldn't be able to hear it and it was gone. But uh, no, she was able to hear it. And I've been referred for a heart echo. So I'm hoping to get that soon. And in the meantime, I've been cleared to keep on training for the marathon. So off we go. Get active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Here when you need us. HearMed.ie So it's week six and this week's plan is to ease off a little bit and aim for a few gentle runs during the week and a 10 kilometre run on Sunday. But if you remember last week... My calf muscle is killing me again, the right calf. I thought it was over it. I thought the worst was was behind me. Obviously not. Yep. So Cahill Egan in Physio Central in Tullamore, just across from the hospital, told me to pop in for an assessment. So basically we've done um, a bit of a questionnaire here, Cahill, haven't we? Basically getting history. We've broken it down into kind of two issues that Peter's having. Right calf issue. Kind of got a history on that of when it started, how it started, very consistently given issues on hill running, kicking in during the run, lasting for evening after, day after, then settling. 
second pain levels as well, importantly. So, Peter, he's having significant enough kind of six, seven kicking in eight out of ten after, um, which which is an issue. Which at that pain level, they say it probably is slowing you down, or it, it will at least be possibly stopping your training if it's if it's yeah more. But it's it's, it's affecting your day to day life as well. Yeah, you know, even just getting up off a couch or something, or yeah. getting up off your seat. Yeah. So listen, you know. if it's something definitely needs to be looked at. Again, with these things, it's not unusual when you're taking on something like this to get a few issues along the way. So we did our assessment. We went over the calf muscle and the back that were giving me trouble. And Cahill told me, no running for a week. We have to give the calf muscle time to heal so we can build the strength back up again. And he gave me exercises to do for the week on the calf and on my back as well, which starts to pinch during running so um, I'm going to get on them straight away but not being able to run is a bit of a blow but um, look it is what it is and there's no point making it worse so I'm going to follow Cahill's advice I run the marathon to the very last so the training this week has to be adjusted a bit I have to avoid any high impact training on my calf muscles so I'm just going to cycle for the week it's uh, it's Tuesday I'm in the gym at the moment and what should have been five or six kilometer run is now a cycle on the exercise bike for about 50 minutes I find it boring as sin going to be honest with you and uh, I have my phone open in front of me here and I'm catching up on some series I didn't get a chance to watch on Netflix so at least there's one small benefit to it I'm only one call away I'll be there to save the As you know, we're running a marathon in order to raise funds for Barrettstown Children's Charity. And if you were to ask me to describe their volunteers, it would be superheroes. That's it, superheroes. For me, they make magic. But someone who knows a little bit more about it is volunteer Orla Wallace. Barrettstown is an amazing adventure camp. It provides fun for children with serious illness. It's such a special place. What goes on there is so amazing that you just feel like you want to shout about it from the rooftops. Uh, as you are doing, Peter, and as I am doing, it is just such a special place. It, it gives the kids a range of adventurous uh, but challenging activities. Um, so even though they have uh, maybe a serious illness, uh, they can still challenge themselves and that gives them a sense of empowerment, I think. So it gives them a break from the hospital treatment and a chance to see kind of beyond their illness and see their capabilities rather than their limitations. Orla, what's your link with Barrettstown? Our son Ben first brought us to Barrettstown. I describe Ben as easygoing, witty, gorgeous boy into tennis and music. Um, And Ben was diagnosed with leukaemia in 2011 when he was 12. Um, and he went through four years of chemotherapy in uh, Crumlin Hospital, St. John's Ward, and had a bone marrow transplant from his little sister, Ava, who was then eight. So uh, he went through a very long, tough illness and brought himself really through it all with strength and positivity and always a smile. And Barrettown really helped with that, you know. I've had a few people suggest to me that um, when I said I wanted to raise money for Barrettstown, and they were saying, well, why not a charity that could work towards a cure? Why not a charity that could work towards research for cures for cancer and stuff? 
stuff like that and I thought about it and then I thought well there's a lot of boys and girls out there that'll never get a cure a lot of boys and girls out there that will spend hours and hours and days and months in ICU in hospital and some of them that will will never make it out so I think the the magic that's created in Barrettstown will give you memories that'll last a lifetime and they're not memories of sitting there hooked up to tubes and IVs and all that kind of sort it's it's memories of just absolute magic and it's memories that their families will always have Absolutely, absolutely. And in, in, in the most cases, the children with serious illness, after their time at Barrettstown and their time at hospital, they'll go on to live wonderful, happy, fulfilling lives. But in a small number of cases, that isn't the case. Um, and, that, and that was the case with us. Um, uh, in 2015, leukaemia came back and Ben passed away in June 2015. So the unimaginable happened and Ben was no longer living in this world with us and we were devastated um, at the time and we were just looking for anything to help Um, and I honestly feel that Ben took the reins and guided us back to Barrettstown because we attended a bereavement camp there in 2016 um, the only of its kind available Um, and you know we were so lucky to have such an amazing person as Ben in our lives and we are still so very connected to him, you know. There are echoes of him all around us every day. We want to celebrate him, um, show him that our lives have not been devastated by him dying, uh, that he has made our lives exceptional and continues to do so. And we were looking for a way to celebrate him and as is always the case in our tough times um, Barrettstown just appears on the horizon Um, and during his illness Ben did a lot of articles and videos for Barrettstown to assist them with their fundraising so we wanted to kind of continue what he started you know Um, so Barrettstown has given us ways many ways to celebrate Ben through volunteering and through our fundraising group Ben for Barrettstown and Ava my daughter who is 17 was his bone marrow donor she and he were connected so deeply Um, and she's heavily involved in Ben for Barrettstown and Barrettstown she's on the youth board there and that will be part of a happy future for her so you know Barrettstown does great things for bereaved siblings and families well into the future also. To hear my chat in full with Orla, check out the Get Active with Midlands 103 podcast on midlands103.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can donate on midlands103.com or through our Facebook or Instagram pages. Just find Get Active with Midlands 103. So on Wednesday, I did another hour on the exercise bike in the gym. And the following day, I returned to Cahalig and Physio Central Tullamore for a little bit more treatment. Yeah, we're just having a quick look. We're, we're doing a pretty quick follow-up, which we, we wouldn't usually take as quick. But I, the fact that you're trying to get back into running. and Okay. Um, we're just kind of doing a little bit of hands-on work again today. I'm going to retest just a couple of things. So as we talked about last time, that we kind of reassess every session. Perfect. Not a big assessment like the first one, but mm. a few things I might have marked up the last day, put an asterisk beside that were causing pain, which the last time, do you remember, was 
Yeah. Yeah. Single, yeah. single leg heel raise. Trying to do a single leg heel raise yeah, on so the really right leg. On and right side. I kept falling over. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to the left, it was sore and, and it was yeah. power. So it's only two days. We're not expecting too much, but I just want to have a quick check. With Perfect, you. yeah. So Brilliant. Imagine, right, come to the wall here for me. Yeah. Okay. Cahill is a genius. He did more treatment on the calf muscle on the back yeah. as well, and you can feel the difference already. So hopefully on Tuesday, I can start some gentle running and see how the calf muscle is feeling then. So fingers crossed. I'll be back. Back on the road soon. I got back on the bike Saturday, but this time the frost cleared and I got into nature. I got onto a real bike. It was brilliant. So in the end, I cycled 22 kilometres, but it was loads of fun getting out and about all across Midlands. Refreshing to get out of the gym, you know? How could I forget to mention the bicycle is a good invention? So as well as myself training for a marathon, we also have a Midlands 103 team training for a half marathon. So let's check in with one of those, presenter of Encore, Claire O'Brien. Just finished my first full 5K, having started the Couch to 5K programme back in November, and I feel like I have won the lottery. A bit sore, a bit tired, but really, really, really glad to be out and feeling really positive. Very grateful for my local GAA club and the walking track around it, even on a windy night like tonight. Really, really pleased with myself. It doesn't put me quite in the, the, the full programme for 13 uh, miles by St. Patrick's weekend, but I can run for half an hour for 5k without stopping and I have won the lotto. Let's see how our head of sport David Hollywood is doing. Well Peter I'm just in the door from uh, training session with the Tullamore Harriers we were doing six by one kilometre runs with the 200 metre breath catching jog in between uh, obviously through the teeth of the storm of Jocelyn which wasn't that much fun. I had nothing in the legs this evening. After a kilometre, I knew that I didn't. So I measured my effort and uh, just kind of pooted around for the other 5K. I'm glad I completed the session anyway. And I think I've pinpointed where things went wrong. I couldn't get my beans on toast for lunch today, as you know well. And soup just isn't the same fuel. I'm telling you. And big shout to my marathon buddy, Christopher Cribben. And it seems I'm not alone in not being able to run this week. I'm not going to make the time care run this week. I got a relapse of the flu, unfortunately. But another news, we are going to do our very first race, lad. We're going to do the Turgis 10 mile. It's the one in Collinstown. There's only a few places left, so I said, sure, let's take us down for two of them anyway. So we'll be doing our very first race on the 25th of February. We get a nice medal, our first medal together and hat and a few bits. So we'll enjoy a bit of crack at that sure. see how we get on cheers lad he's a great man for surprises as Christy you know that first of all he got me into the lake and now he has me down for our first run so uh, 25th of February hopefully I'll be in one piece more torture Remember, it's all for a good cause. We're raising funds for the brilliant children's charity, Barrettstown. And thank you so much to everyone who's donated so far. You can donate by logging on to midlands103.com and clicking on Get Active with Midlands 103. Remember, donations are online only via our iDonate page. And everyone who donates €10 or more will go into the draw to win a signed Manchester United jersey donated by the club themselves. And a big, big thank you to everybody who's donated. A couple of mentions to Corona O'Brien 
Rebecca Mullen to Paul Brady, Caroline Connolly, Martin Fitzpatrick to Enda, to Keith Burke, Rachel and all the anonymous donations as well. Thank you so, so much. We want to be able to smash that target of €5,000 raised for Barristown Children's Charity. So if you can give anything, please do click on midlands103.com. You can find Get Active there and you can follow the link to our iDonate page as well and you can donate online only via iDonate where all proceeds go directly the Barrettstown Children's Charity. Get active with Midlands 183. Powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Here when you need us. HearMed.ie Peter Dunn. And I know I shouldn't be giving him a hard time, but since he recorded that, I understand he's had another setback with his calf muscle. So it'll be another trip to Cahill Egan in Physio Central for him. And, well, I'm no better. I have another appointment with Cahill a little bit later today. The hip is still mm, tender. And you know what? My own fault. If you're going to warm up, especially in the winter months, do it properly. The name you trust. With the news you need. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. And hobbling in to say hello is Simon Casey. (laughs) Good morning, Will. How's what things? did you do to yourself? I'm not too bad. You're, you're, you're over-exaggerating there. Yeah, uh, he has an injury as well. I yeah, I just I was listening to in the in the, the green room there and I see Peter has a bit of a calf injury. I have, I have a bit of a calf injury as well, playing indoor. Uh, we decided to take up a slot with the new Ballycumber Activity Centre. Flying it anyway, but the last, just there two weeks ago, last week I suppose, I just uh, pulled up with it with the calf as well. So it's kind Ouch. of... Uh, Show me age now, Will, you know. I was about to say, <laughs> this sort of stuff happens when you're in your 40s. That's it, that's it, yeah. yeah. Would we never have happened we'll when going. you were in You're a Star. No, no, and that's, uh, I suppose that's why we're here to, this morning to have a chat about that. But um, yeah, 21 years like since the since the show and, you know, still meet people. It's as fresh as yesterday and early, you know, to a lot of people, you know, when I meet them up and down the, the country, especially with the, the show I'm in at the moment, Take It to Limit, we're, we're all over the country and... Um, we have a bit of you a, and the Sheerans. Yeah, and yeah. Nigel Connell and Johnny Brady were doing a celebration of the Eagles music, and uh, we we're in the INEC there last week. Probably one of the highlights of my career so far, to be honest. You know, um, why? Just a, well, it was a solo concert first of all in the INEC arena. You know, we we started small, and to get to where we are at the moment is just it's we're on the you know we're just flying high. Thank God, it's really going well. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but as people said, come up to you. Yeah, even the amount of people last week in Kerry, you know. Um, they don't forget an off man too handy down in Kerry anyway they could talk to Seamus Darby about that you know but um, yeah but you lot. have a sickeningly youthful demeanour you know, yeah I know you're putting lots of oils on the face how yeah. do you stay so young yeah I know look it's all that's natural all natural you know? married to <laughs> I'll tell you what one. it is I'll tell you what it, and I know we were talking about it off air I was just trying to keep fit there like in the last two years I'm probably fitter than I've ever been now at the moment you know and um, I'm doing a bit of gym and a couple of classes a week and I just feel great you know I really do feel great and um, I think it it gives you energy for everything Will you know because this this, this um, you know the singing career is brilliant but it's the, the travelling and all the rest that, that kind of really takes it out of you so you mm-hmm. need to be you need to be doing something during the week to kind of keep up with that you know because you end up in uh, pretty bad uh, pretty bad nick if you yeah. weren't doing something you know out of out of singing if you know what I mean you know performing every week so it's, it's well, nice to be doing whatever you're doing it's working Working. I was going to say the same to you, Will. I know you're you're looking very fit just after. So we try, <laughs> we try. This time of year, it's tougher. Yeah. So back to the uh, 
uh, 21st anniversary. Mm -hmm. And, of course, people sometimes forget. It was Mickey Joe Hart, as he was known at the time, who uh, eventually pipped you to the post. Mm -hmm. I was even looking at Awfully Live not so long ago, and they had this memory from, it was 20 years at the time, how you were robbed and Ah. and so on and so (laughs) forth. Well, they're flying the Awfully Colours, and why not? Why not? Um, would it have made any difference in the long term? Who won? I don't you, think so. You both seem yeah. to have done well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think, looking back on the show, and I think I've spoken to this before, I suppose, when it came down to it, you know, especially when it came down to the last three, myself, um, Mickey Joe, and it was Michael Leonard, who I've kept in touch with. Um, when it came down to that, I suppose we should have all been probably given the one the one song. You know, we were all kind of given three diff- completely different songs. And um, mm. I remember... You know the meeting. You know the Sunday before the the Sunday of the 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 final, we all went in to um, listen to the songs we've been given, and we all kind of came out home and we got the world. You know, so that was kind of straight away. I knew that's a kind of an instant. That's an instant hit. You know, whereas my one was a bit of a grower, and it did very well for me. Um, but I think you know, looking back on it, we probably should be all given the one song, maybe. You know what I mean? But look, there's no hard feelings. I was actually in touch with Mickey Joe yesterday. You know, we we're always texting each other and having a crack. And he's a big Eagles fan as well, so um, he's been in touch with me, um, offered me a couple of songs that he's written as well. So look, we're, so obviously very, it was very cordial. It was if you all stayed in touch. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially look, there's four or five of us that stay in touch all the time. You know, myself and Mickey Joe and I said Michael Leonard as well, and um, we've become very good friends over. You know, it's 21 years later, and we're still um, we're still all buddies. Like, and I suppose look with Instagram and all the rest, you can kind of tag people a bit more and people. You know, the Irish people love a bit of nostalgia. As you said, you're reading back on something from last year, you know, and you get tagged in all these things all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know the final of Eurostar and 21 years ago and all this. And, you know, yeah. You know, so it's, it, it, it has a novelty after five years, maybe. And after 21, you're feeling old. You are, you are, yeah. <laughs> yes. I always say that on the stage, actually, you know, kind of 21 years and everyone's like, oh, you know, I thought it was only five years ago. Or six. You know, so it's mm-hmm. amazing how people just, um, then you have people coming up to you, oh, I was six when you were, you know, when That's you're a star humbling, and, and yeah. they're, they're, they're towering down on top of you. Like. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's gas, you know. It's, it's. Yeah, I had some fella in his 20s say, oh, I remember listening to you on the radio when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it, yeah. Time stands still. Doesn't stand still for anyone, really. I know, you know? I know. Now, you mentioned Instagram and all the great mm-hmm. ways you can keep connected to people. The other upside of social media is you can go viral worldwide very, very quickly. Something you've done several times and yeah. uh, I think during COVID you had a nice run of, of Oh yeah, luck. look, as I said that that was really, you know, during COVID I remember putting up um, the old rugged cross mm. and that just went crazy. You know, it still is, like it still is moving along there and it still got asked for it all the time and you can kind of see it on you know, it kind of transfers, the way it is nowadays, well, it kind of transfers over to Spotify and stuff like that. So people, if they hear a song, say, I'm going to look up, look up Simon Casey, I look up whoever, make it your heart, or I'm look up whoever. And um, straight away, they're kind of, uh, they're fans, instant fans now, you know. So it's definitely, um, it's been very good to me over the last few years, especially with Spotify and everything has been really, really strong for me, you know. And um, as I said, uh, what I did actually there, just last week, I, I put up a, a snippet of me singing Sarah, because yeah. I actually released it there um, last year. Just onto Spotify. I didn't do much about it, to be honest. Um, but there's nearly three million uh, streams now, you know, which is which is great. Uh, where um, are these followers in the world? Are um, they mainly Ireland? Mainly Ireland. No, but like I got a lot. Of, I have a huge. Um, I seem to have an awful lot of people from Indonesia getting in touch for some reason. You know, so it's amazing. Just uh, Japan, 
it's, it's crazy, you know, even Africa and stuff like that, you know. So it's, <laughs> I don't These know are people telling you, you that know what you know, it is. you're a distant cousin who's won the lotto. That's it, yeah. Well, that's where it started. It, Uncle Billy, you know, left me 75 billion. Uh, <laughs> I haven't claimed it yet now, you know. But uh, I think the the genre that I'm kind of involved in, you know, I do a lot of the um, gospel stuff and all the rest, you know, especially with, as I said, when, when Rugged Cross went kind of mm. viral that time, I got an awful, a huge amount of following from Indonesia and over that direction, wherever that is, like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so it just kind of, yeah. Well, the, and, the and I've kind of Bible stuck, Belt of the yeah, United yeah, States. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. The Bible Belt as well, you know. Mm. Um, a, big, a big page in America shared me and I had a huge following from that as well, you know, and all of a sudden, I had over 100,000 um, followers on Facebook and stuff, you know, so it was like crazy. But look, that's the thing. I suppose nowadays, if you can give anyone any advice, it's just to keep on going. And, you know, you know, you might record a song in your bedroom and it just might go, well, all of a sudden, here we are, you know. Um, I've actually been in touch with young Shane there from Dangan, the digger dad, you know, as well. Oh, yeah. Now, he's doing great, you know, he's uh, he's, a, he's just a lovely lad. He's always very encouraging to me and I'm very encouraging to him. And uh, oh, I think he's, I saw he was missing his granny there not yeah, so long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it was again, a really nice video. It was, it was. And, like, and you know, he, he's just doing his, his few bits in, in the digger and it's kind of gone viral for him. And he's, he's a great character to boot, you know, so it kind of works well for him. So, like, you basically can record a song anywhere and go viral, even in the digger, you know. Indeed. So, <laughs> Still? nice to do with the old fashioned way and you've brought yeah. the guitar in I did tow. I did yeah well as I said but I did um, I didn't tell you what song I put up actually so Sarah I put up um, a song that I sang on Eurostar 21 years ago mm. and, um, Thin Lizzy Favourite The Thin Lizzy Favourite and uh, actually with this song I was going out with a girl called Sarah 21 years ago yeah well I'm going to dedicate this one to you and no <laughs> <laughs> well, no I'll tell you because after not so long after a couple of weeks later I was invited up to um, a concert with my, my tour manager uh, White Snake. We're playing in the in the point, and Gary Moore was meant to be on before him. Because Gary Moore kind of uh, broke his fingernail or something like that, so he pulled out. But um, I got sitting beside Philomena Linnet, Phil's mother, and she turned around to me and said, "I want to thank you so much for singing my son's song, Natalie." And I was there. Wow. Oh my god! Like, wow, that's a kind of a humbling thing to be honest. You know, when somebody like that um, can speak about. A legend of a son. Like, at the end of the day, he's a legend, but he's also her son, like, you know. And, um, yeah, just to get that was lovely. That's a great that was endorsement. Lovely. That was lovely. That was Absolutely. Lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, so I hope I don't make a mess of it now this morning, but I'm, I'm going to give won't. you a, a version of it. And, um, In your own you time. Yeah. yeah. When you came in my life, you changed my world, my Sarah. Everything seems so right, my baby girl, my Sarah. You are all I want to know. You hold my heart, so don't let go. You are all I need to live my love to you. I give when you begin. To smile, you change my style, my Sarah. When I look in your eyes, I see my prize, my Sarah. You are all I want to know. You hold my heart, so don't let go. You are all I need to live my love to you. I'll give you 
to know Oh, my Sarah You changed my style with your baby smile And your childlike charms to keep me warm Pull me in your arms My Sarah Don't let go Beautiful take on it, actually. That's not bad. It's not bad for a... What morning are we on? Wednesday morning. Wednesday um, morning, yeah. Yeah, look, as a side, it's a, it's a song that's probably even um, bigger for me than the song that I got for the Eurovision, if I Ooh. was to get there. A song called A Better Plan that Brian, Brian McFadden written for me. That song, for some reason, um, just... You know, I'm always kind of associated with it since, you know, people will always ask me to sing my Sarah. I, oh, I, I know plenty of people... I know plenty of people that have uh, called their daughters after, not my performance, but after that song, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a song that's very, very special for a lot of people, you know. Oh, it was lovely with the simplicity of the single guitar. Reminds me a little of Night Swimming, you know, the R.E.M. song. Yeah, yeah, lovely song as well, actually. Love to hear you perform that sometime. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that for you some morning. Yeah. yeah. So, messages. Anne Malloy, not sure if you know Anne in Ballycumber, ah, says, course, Anne's a legend. Simon is and always will be a star. Another person remembers, I can't believe it was 20 years ago, this is Elaine, going to Clara in County Offaly when you were in You're a Star and uh, you've just made her feel old yeah. as well. Hi, Will and Simon. I have a good friend who is a fantastic singer, but very, very shy. How does he start at home with his phone? Yeah, well, as I said to you, you know, I have my own kids that are, I, I know they're really good singers to treat them. And uh, just to get them singing is the problem sometimes, you know. But um, I think, you know what? If you can, if you if you can get a microphone of some description, mm. I always say if you put a microphone in some in front of somebody, they they will sing into it, you know. And I've seen that at pl- plenty of parties over the years. And even at Christmas this year, um, my daughter got a little system, and uh, it was the best the best crack we had ever, um, you know, Christmas night and Stephen's night, all the kids, all the. Denise's and nephews all singing, you know. So I think if you can get something like that, a very very simple setup. And in your bedroom, to be yeah, honest, yeah. you know, just do it, do it, and practice in front of the mirror. I'm telling you, even with a hairbrush, just do do something. Um, but we'll, the mic is a good suggestion as well is. because sound quality matters. It does. The video doesn't have to be very well lit yeah. or whatever fancy. But the sound, yeah, is and important. there's lots of lots of you know the the nowadays like there's so much stuff out there, and for a reasonable price as well, you can you can get a good little system there. You know. Can you say hello to my mam? who is going in for her cataract procedure in Mullingar today. Absolutely loves Simon Casey. That's from Martin F. in Athlone. And Ina Clinton in Mullingar says, you're a beautiful singer and best of all, a lovely, grounded, youngish man. Ah, youngish. Thanks, Ina. Thanks very much. <laughs> she uh, didn't put the ish in. Yeah, oh, you did. You did <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the plan from here? Well, the plan is at the moment, we're right, right in the middle of uh, the Take It to Limit um, tour. Uh, we're in 
off to Wexford tomorrow night. We're in Carrigan Shan and we're um, like all the shows we've done so far this year have all been sold out, really, which is which is absolutely amazing. Great. We started a tour in Tullamore on the first Thursday of uh, of January and it was sold out, and it's it's gone from there, you know. And we've 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 actually a really big gig with Take the Limit happening in Vicar Street, so we're going to Vicar Street, which is unbelievable. Mm. I actually played in Vicar Street after Eurostar, so it's been twenty one years. So I mustn't have done. <laughs> they mustn't have been too happy with me. Uh, I'm only going back well, 21 years. Have the other guys been in Vicar Street? I don't think so. No, well, I don't there think you so. go. No, but Thursday the 24th of October, if people want to stick that in the diary. Also, Will, can I just give a quick mention to um, a concert and that's happening in Ballycumber on the 17th of February. Mm. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Pat Kelly. I believe Pat might be coming in to have a few words or two in a couple of weeks' time, but um, it's a benefit concert for the family um, on the 17th of February. Myself, Rula Bula, Best Foot Forward, The Jiggers of Aaron. Night, Nighthawks and the great John Malloy as well and we're all coming together just to have a concert for um, for great Pat Pat Kelly he's a great friend of mine and he's going through a difficult time at the moment with the family and all the rest mm. and I wish him the best of luck with his health over the next few weeks it's a couple of vital weeks ahead of him um, but there's lots of you know there's a GoFundMe page and I, I've shared it on my Facebook page as well and there's um, yeah as I said it's a, it's a very very um, if you can at all support it, it'd be fantastic, you know. So that's my next. It's a while since I played in Ballycumber. So seventeenth of February, I'll be there to sing a few songs anyway. So looking forward to that. A big gig. Now it's great always hearing how communities come together. We heard earlier with Clara Football Club and the right. roof blowing off and the lads yeah. who are working away and fair play to them uh, coming together for Joey. Great example of well, that was how the that's, whole Midlands. That's been unbelievable. Mm. That's been unbelievable. And you know, obviously, I know I know them very well. I know Colin Colin McCabe. Very, very well. You know, over the years, he was very good to me in the Bridge House years ago. And, um, you know, to be able to give back a little bit like that, that's what it's all about, you know. And it was great to see Shane Lowry, of course, getting involved as well and absolutely crushing it. So I'm just wishing wishing uh, Joey the very, very best luck over the next few months because, it's, uh, again, it's it's all, all well and good getting the money, but um, we wish him the best luck with his operation and yeah, his health as well, you know. Things are moving for them. Yeah, absolutely, amazing. absolutely. So... Onwards and upwards. Thank you so much for your Thanks, time. Will. And for anybody wishing to look you up, you're all over the place online. I'm all over the place. You can find me anywhere. I'm not on Tinder, though. Everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Simon Casey. <laughs> everywhere but Tinder. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Will. So, Sinead Hubble put it all together. I'll chat to you tomorrow morning from nine. Take care. Bye-bye. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Student Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.